0: Hello there, and thanks for listening in to our Dive Matthew study. Dive Matthew is the dive study that began it all. Throughout February of 2019, lives were changed and the scriptures came alive to a group of about 50 people as they dove into the book of Matthew, all 28 chapters in 28 days. It moved at a fast clip, but even with that rigorous pace, it became clear that it was worth pursuing an ongoing ministry based on these studies. This is how Dive Collective began. Our new dive studies will be formatted differently, but the process of inductive study remains the same. So as you listen through the book of Matthew, know that we are waiting to welcome you into our current live dive studies where we engage with our Bible study members and dive in at a manageable pace for study. You can find everything you need to know at divecollective.org under our studies tab. Enjoy your time in Dive Matthew, and we hope you'll join us in real time soon. So, welcome to Dive Matthew, where we're going to be doing 28 chapters of Matthew in 28 days. For the first study, you're going to want to download our dive guide at www.divecollective.org in our shop under free downloads. Dive studies are our version of inductive Bible study. This particular study of Matthew was the first one we did back in 2019. I hosted that dive guide in a different format on a different website at the time, but now if you want to join in and see how to do a dive study before committing to join us live, you'll want to go ahead and go to divecollective.org to download and get started. So we're going to go ahead and read through the eighth chapter of Matthew. If you'd like to skip ahead because you've already read the chapter, you can go ahead and do that now. You're going to want to join back in at approximately the five minute mark.
1: When he came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. Right away, a man with leprosy came up and knelt before him, saying, "'Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean.' Reaching out his hand, Jesus touched him, saying, "'I am willing, be made clean.' Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Then Jesus told him, "'See that you don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them.' When he entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, "'Lord, my servant's lying at home paralyzed in terrible agony.' He said to him, Am I to come and heal him? Lord, the centurion replied, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority, having soldiers under my command. I say this to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. Hearing this, Jesus was amazed and said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with so great a faith. I tell you that many will come from east and west to share the banquet with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, but the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus told the centurion, go, as you have believed, let it be done for you. And his servant was healed at that very moment. Jesus went into Peter's house and saw his mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. So he touched her hand and the fever left her. Then she got up and began to serve him. When evening came, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. He drove out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick, so that what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. He himself took our weaknesses and carried our diseases. When Jesus saw a large crowd around him, he gave the order to go to the other side of the sea. A scribe approached him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go jesus told him foxes have dens and birds of the sky have nests but the son of man has no place to lay his head lord another of his disciples said first let me go bury my father but jesus told him follow me and let the dead bury their own dead as he got into the boat his disciples followed him suddenly a violent storm arose on the sea so that the boat was being swamped by the waves but jesus kept sleeping so the disciples came and woke him up saying lord save us we're gonna we're going to die he said to them, Why are you afraid, you of little faith? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. The men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the winds in the sea obey him. When he had come to the other side, to the region of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men met him as they came out of the tomb. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. Suddenly they shouted, What do you have to do with us, son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? A long way off from them, a large herd of pigs was feeding. If you drive us out, the demons begged him, send us into the herd of pigs. Go, he told them. So when they had come out, they entered the pigs, and the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and perished in the water. Then the men who tended them fled. They went into the city and reported everything, especially what had happened to those who were demon-possessed. At that, the whole town went out to meet Jesus. When they saw him, they begged him to leave their region."
0: Again, there's a lot happening in chapter 8. I have 13 observations for the very first part of chapter 8, and then I have 16 observations for verses 14 through 34. I'm not going to share all of the ones that I have for the first study, but some of those do kind of flow into what I'm going to be talking about in the second part. So the things that I observed were the different ways that Jesus heals. It seems there's an intentional contrast between... The leper who he touches, which is his interpretation, but by itself would have been shocking for Jesus, a Jew to reach out and touch a leper. Mm-hmm. The next part is him healing a centurion. He doesn't have to go anywhere. He can heal him without touching him and from a long way off. Another observation that I got from that that I didn't, I'm not gonna touch on, but would be great to make some interpretations about and think about is that Jesus was amazed We don't see very many places where Jesus is amazed in scripture. Well, I'm just going to say it because I love it. Jesus is amazed. What's cool about that is that Jesus is not amazed by the centurion. Jesus is amazed that the centurion is confident about how amazing Jesus is. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Jesus is never amazed by us, but our faith in him and our confidence in him is is amazing or was amazing to him, at least in that case. So he touches a leper then he heals from a long way off. Then he comes back and he heals G- Peter's mother-in-law. Mm-hmm. Another observation is that immediately after she was healed, she gets up and begins to serve. We have Jesus responding to the man who wants to follow him that he has no place to go. And then to another man who says, I want to follow you, but first let me go bury my dead. And Jesus says, let the dead bury their dead. And we actually alluded that into a, in a previous episode. Okay, so we go from Jesus healing a leper by touching him to Jesus healing the centurion's daughter, servant, servant, from a long way off. And then we have Jesus healing his mother-in-law. Again by touching her. Again by touching her. And then we go to him calming the sea. Then we go to him healing a demon-possessed man. The last observation that I have there is that, well, two things. One... The demon-possessed man could was keeping people from being able to pass through that area. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the story, after Jesus heals the demon-possessed men, men not man, two men. two men, then the whole town asks him to leave. So those are the observations. So from those ob- observations, there's a couple things that I took from that into the interpretation phase. The part where Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law brings up a lot of things for me about what we had talked about before that when we are called to go we are to just go Mm
1: -hmm.
0: did Peter even know she was sick
1: Peter clearly Peter doesn't ask Jesus to heal her Jesus just goes in there and notices that she's sick yes so
0: it's almost like Peter was about Jesus's business doing following Jesus closely and was he even aware of what was going on at home and did what was going on at home even matter to right. him because he was so focused on following Jesus? Yeah. And again, we're going back to that part where you just, the next, the next thing is whatever Jesus calls you to next. Regardless of what's going on at home or what's going on anywhere else, there's so many distractions or things that could keep us from following hard after Jesus. Mm-hmm. And yet that's what he calls us to. And immediately after he heals the mother-in-law, she gets up and she serves him. Mm-hmm. That's... That's what you do. You get up and you follow Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so then we go then to that next portion again where the guy wants to bury his dead and Jesus is like, no, you shouldn't be focused on anything except what I'm calling you to Mm -hmm. next. And then the same thing for the other guy that wants to follow him and Jesus says, I'm not not going anywhere. I have no place. I don't have a specific place to go, yeah. Yeah, don't think that you're you're just going to go someplace with me and we're going to land somewhere. You're following me to... Wherever, Right. And every day it's going to, to be end. different. Yeah. Yes. To the end. I like that. So that was my interpretation from just that portion. It was, and again, it made me think of Philip and how he, I love, <laughs> Philip had, Philip's story when he ministers to the Ethiopian and then he baptizes them and then he disappears mm-hmm. and ends up somewhere else. That passage just amuses me. So, and I think about it often. And when it came up as I was reading this, it made me think, about the fact that when Philip arrives wherever he was where teleported he to, to yeah. yes he's just he just starts sharing the gospel we don't always know where Jesus is going to lead us next but we do it but we go so that was one interpretation another interpretation that i took from those observations is the first thing that he does in his ministry as he's got his disciples following him as he heals bodies so we see that he touches the leper and then he heals the centurion's guy from a long way off he's so he's doing the all of these body healings Mm -hmm. and then after that he goes with from the crowds he goes across the sea of galilee and on their way the storm kicks up and you see the disciples they, they know that he's capable of doing miracles, and so you mm-hmm. see them, they're conflicted, because what are, he says, they say,
1: they say, Lord, save us, we're going to die.
0: Right, so that, that perfect human mixture of, Lord, save us, I, I believe, because we know you can, yeah, because we know you do amazing things, but then that, like, we're going to die, so I have, I have faith, and I have no faith, all encompassed <laughs> in that one in that one comment. And so I love that that and then their response after that is what is he what do they
1: say after after he heals it or, uh, or after calms he calms the storm st- storm mm-hmm. yeah they say what kind of man is this even the winds and the sea obey him.
0: Right. Okay, so there so we have our progression from Jesus heals our bodies to Jesus has authority over the earth. Mm-hmm. And then we find that he has authority even over the spiritual realm because then he goes to this area and he finds these strong terrible Mm demon-possessed men that he casts demons out of Mm -hmm. so now we're, we're seeing this progression what i find fascinating about this part where jesus casts out these demons interpretation wise i think about where they are i notice that jesus is passing along that sea and he comes across these demons It makes me wonder whether this would be a way that people would normally go Mm -hmm. if they could go because that's the way that Jesus was passing when he comes across them. And people didn't go that way because of them. He casts out these demons. I sit with a couple of things here. One is that that progression, that now he's healed a a demon and now the disciples are seeing more and more the vastness Mm -hmm. and the completeness of of Jesus' authority. But two, that... They're, they've come to this place that nobody has been able to go through and Jesus makes this way where there was no way this the easier way there there was no way through and so people found another way around mm-hmm. and now he's cast out these demons and he's made a way that should make people happy because now they have a way to go that they couldn't go before but their reaction is to ask him to leave mm-hmm. and so then you all you all you can do is sit there and go what well, why would they be why would they be unhappy when God is when Jesus has done this thing to make their their lives should be easier and so they should be
1: happy but mm-hmm. instead they ask him to leave. So when I read when I read this story about Jesus casting the demons into the pigs and then I get to the end and I when you see that they asked Jesus to leave, what I I automatically assume that the reason they ask him to leave is because of what he did that kind of messed up this guy's life. There's a guy there that's In charge of these pigs, and that's his livelihood. He's, I don't know what it's called, a shepherd of pigs. I know that's not what it's called, but that's his job is to take care of these pigs. And when Jesus drives the demons out and sends the demons into the pigs and they run over the cliff, they're completely lost. So then this man flees, and it says they went into the city and reported everything. And I would imagine that that man was probably part of that crowd that was Mm -hmm. reporting things because he probably. I assume he went back and was really not happy about the fact that his pigs were gone. And so mm-hmm. I assume that one of the reasons or even maybe the, the main reason why they asked Jesus to leave is because he just messed everything up. Mm-hmm. And even, even if you think about the fact that these demon-possessed men were blocking the way, even if that had been the, the normal way that people went through, it had probably been this way for a while, that these guys had right. been out there blocking the way. And so the people had just naturally found a different way around. And so that was comfortable for them. They were mm-hmm. used to it. It was normal. And then Jesus comes, and he disrupts all of that, all of the way that they had solved this problem and fixed it. And he does it by ruining their lives. And right. And then he ruins this guy's life by yeah. sending the
0: pigs over. The or they're cliff. afraid that he's going to ruin their lives. They think he's they, ruined his they, life. yeah. Because what they can see from this guy's life, or all they can see is that he's just wrecked things. Right. Yes, so Jesus is the wrecker of our lives, basically. <laughs> but I, I guess I guess I look at it, and when I think about the fact that Jesus has made the easier way mm-hmm. open, it makes me think of this passage in Exodus that I've been reading about how God specifically says to the to Moses that He's taking them the long way around mm-hmm. to the promised land, and they spend all of this time wandering in the desert because if He'd taken them through. the the shorter way or the easier way they would have come across other lands and wars and battles that they were not prepared or able to fight and win. And he was afraid that it, not afraid. He knew that if you took them this harder way, they were likely to go back to Egypt or back to slavery. Right? So this idea that it makes me think of this, this that Jesus has now made the shorter way open again. Mm -hmm. And they're looking at him and they're thinking, but I like, But but I'm perfectly happy with this longer, harder uh, way. Yeah. And that idea that following Jesus is hard. is an immediate trust thing that Mm -hmm. if I follow him, it will all be worth it. Mm -hmm. Because it doesn't always look, at first blush, it looks unnerving. Like you were talking about with the disciples. When they just pick up and and leave. leave. Yeah, just picking up and leaving. That idea of leaving everything behind and going this way and trusting that it is going to be the easier way mm-hmm. or it's going to be the shorter way because Jesus is going with you. That's mm-hmm. exactly, we, had, we often don't think, we don't realize that what we're doing, we're doing things the hard way. Like right. a lot, of, like our life, yeah. this side of heaven, like without Jesus, we are doing it the hard way. It might be mm-hmm. comfortable and it might be what we're used to, mm-hmm. but it's not, it's not the
1: easy way. The only easy way, the only one who can make a way where mm-hmm. there is no way is Jesus. Yeah. Right. And it's, just that we can't see the big picture. That when we, like this guy was so upset about his pigs because he couldn't see that God was, he couldn't see the way that Jesus made because he was just so upset about the pigs. So how we get caught up in just the things that, the things of this world that matter because we are, we are, we live here, right? Planted here. Right. So yes, planted here. But we sometimes see those things in such a bigger picture than we see the spiritual things. Like you were saying when when Jesus tells the disciples to come follow me and they just pick up and follow him they were not caught up in those things of life that like their fishing business and they just picked up and when Jesus says go follow me let the dead bury their own dead. Don't focus on the stuff here. Like Mm -hmm. I will take, he's going to take care of all of that. Right. So the application being
0: that like we will always have a choice. There is always going to be a choice. Jesus is going to, say, in every um, new thing that he calls us to, our choice will either be, come and trust me. Right. Do and don't look hard back. Thing do this hard, hard thing. Yes. Or stay where you're comfortable. Yeah. But if you choose to stay where
1: you're comfortable, it will not be, it will not be the best way. We can't see what God's best is for us when we're, mm. we, we just can't, we don't know the future. And so right. God's, we can miss what he has for us, because we get so stuck in where we are, and sometimes too, I think I have to remind myself often, often too that God's best for me does not necessarily mean that my life is going to be a cakewalk. Sometimes I assume that whatever God's path is or whatever His plan is for me, if it's the best, then it's probably also going to be the easiest.
0: No, and, yeah, and if right, if you think like about I assume it-
1: that in my human mind, but that's not how it works. Right, and because.
0: If you were to go hmm to come up to that place where those demon possessed men were without Jesus was obviously not the easier way. Right. And, and so to go they were up so to that violent,
1: no one could pass.
0: Yes, and to yep. go up to that demon possessed land with Jesus, I'm sure, was still terrifying right. before you found out that Jesus was going to make a way. Right. You know, when you go anything that Jesus calls us to, we still we still encounter those things that look like they are going to be unbearable
1: and mm-hmm. un- unovercomable yeah they're just miserable like just not good yes or yeah
0: yes or just miserable which you know you think about the israelites ha- when they do go into battle they only go and succeed because god is with mm-hmm. them and goes before them mm-hmm. all of that would have looked t- terrible and it would have been miserable right. bloody and right nasty it's certainly not easy mm-hmm. it's sometimes gory and ugly and- yeah anyway yeah and he's in the midst of them when he takes them around the long way. Mm-hmm. He takes them a lot, even the Israelites, yeah. he does take them the wrong way. Right, he's still,
1: way. his hand is still in that. He's with them. Yes. So I feel like this is super applicable to my story. It remi- it just makes me think of the past 12 years of my life. Probably most of you don't know. My husband is a chaplain with the Navy. And when we first were married, we'd been married for about a year when we decided to move to Virginia for him to start seminary and that had kind of always been our plan even when we'd been dating he wanted to go into ministry of some sort but then after we had been in seminary for a couple years our plans just kind of changed we didn't really know what we wanted I fell in love with Virginia Beach I had family there and I wanted to stay and anyway over the course of seminary and then for years after that chaplaincy come up came up multiple times and every time i was like uh no never in a million years we were we we don't come from military families i i had no exposure to that life other than living in virginia beach and having tons of friends who were picking up and leaving all the time and (laughs) and i loved virginia beach and i wanted to stay and so just thinking about how god i spent a lot of years and not even angrily or, I mean, I just, every time it would come up, I just would kind of be like, that's stupid. Like, mm-hmm. no, that is not our plan. Why are people telling us to do this? Like, mm-hmm. And so we just never pursued it until until we did. And <laughs> when we did, it was for a lot of reasons. But it's so easy for me to look back now, now that I'm here where I am. And my husband is in the Navy as a chaplain. And it's it's easy for me to look back and see God's hand in all of that. Mm-hmm. And and know that while I, while I feel like we maybe took the long way around, mostly yes. because I think Isaac probably would have jumped in a lot sooner than I did. But it feels like we took the long way around because I was just saying, no way, no way. I can still see God's hand in all of that. Mm-hmm. Like, he used that long way around to get me to where he wanted me to be. And I think yes. it would have been... And and where he wants us to be now, it was hard. Ho- I mean, it was hard. I mean, picking up and leaving was not the easiest thing I've ever done. But it has been so good. Like, I can't mm-hmm. even imagine a different life for us now. And so I think that had we jumped in with both feet when it first came up, that would have probably been the easy way. And we would have maybe even had, in some ways, those years would have been easier, maybe. But at the same time, I know that God's hand was in all of that. And so right. while we we kind of chose on to to take the long way around, he still was able to use that to prepare us that whole yes. time. Like I look back now and I'm like, "Oh, it kind of all makes sense now."
0: Right. So which is where this is that that hard like yes, I want this to be a learning moment that I learn. I want I want to know now That when God calls me to something, I cannot be afraid. I can just be immediately and trust that whatever it is, is going to be the best way, the easier way, the whatever way, because he's going with me. But at the same time, to not look back. There's going to be lots of times that I don't go immediately. Or at least I can look back and see many times where there were. But certainly, it's not unredeemed. Like All of that time gets it's not necessarily that you were even being disobedient it no. was a learning process yes and so there's nothing necessarily wrong with not having gone immediately. right it's not necessarily that you went the long way right except that God was leading you the long yes, way right? that's how it feels to-
1: right and looking back on it now like I said before if we had jumped in at the very beginning that maybe would have been the shorter easier path but I don't could I go back and do that over again I don't think I would make a different choice because now I can see all along the way it's terrifying to think if we had done it right off the bat I feel like I can look back and see God preparing us for what he had for us all along the way and like you said too it's also just another way that he has proven himself to me that Mm -hmm. he's trustworthy
0: Yes. So that when he does open a new way Mm -hmm. now, I mean, when you look at bringing it back to the scripture where to chapter eight, where we're coming from, when we are those people where we see God do this crazy thing that looks like it could ruin our lives, Mm -hmm. we go, no, I know my God, I've seen him do this. And now I know that I I see this open way and I'm going to walk through it because he's, He's made a way where like yeah. there was no way.
1: And it might look completely different than what I had ever imagined mm-hmm. it would look like. But yeah. I can trust that it's his best.
0: Right. So it's, a, it's, it's there's almost a maturing that happens Yeah. Like you become the kind of people that can go, no, I'm going to take the new way. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> As opposed to, I'm the young one that you have to lead the mm-hmm. long way. Thanks for listening to this episode of Dive Matthew. If you enjoyed our version of Inductive Bible Study and want to join our community of people all working on the same book of the Bible together, come check us out at divecollective.org and sign up for one of our current live dive studies. We believe you'll find a welcoming community, one where you'll be challenged, inspired, and uplifted. Come and see.